0: This is Y-Tune Shuffle.
1: Y-Tune Shuffle, it's the music that informs our lives.
0: The rules here are that there are no rules other than just bring in your music, Mm. hit play. And
1: then we get to pick your brain about why those songs.
0: Welcome to Y-Tune Shuffle, a show about the music that inspires our lives. Brought to you by Weed Sellers, Because nothing goes better with music than weed. Weed Sellers 1. With your hosts, Maggie Mayfield and David Earl Waterman.
1: All right. Well, welcome to uh, Y-Tune Shuffle, the only podcast that matters right now. It's Maggie Mayfield, your host, with David Earl Waterman, a.k.a. Hollywood's Secret Weapon. And we are broadcasting today from somewhere completely new.
0: Brand new space.
1: Thank you, Weed Sellers, for having us, who are sponsoring this show now. And
0: and I think we, we have to maybe just explain a little bit about the definition of Weed Sellers in this particular venue. Yes. Because I told my ma, hey, we got a sponsor for Wife 2 Shuffle. <laughs> and my ma says, oh, well, who is it? And I said, Weed Sellers. And she goes, your uncle is sponsoring your.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. Weed Sellers is a wine distributor, and it is not infused with cannabis. They're beautifully packaged wine. And I've gotten to try their Pinot Noir, their. Oh, what is this one? Um, how do you even say that? Chenin Blanc? Blanc?
0: Blanc, yeah. Like I'm very Mel, sophisticated. Mel Blanc. Like, like yes. a Mel Blanc.
1: Yeah. And uh, I met them while they were doing their SAG Awards swag bag giveaway several weeks ago. And this is while I was still with a company. Um, Wait that a minute. Was a, what's that
0: mean? You were still with the company? I
1: was still with a company that was allowing us to use their space to podcast. That's from. the
0: history. We, we're doing a little bit of a history lesson today yeah. for folks. Because we're in a new place. We have our first official sponsor and. Take it from there, Maggie.
1: And so January has been just a little bit stressful for me because (laughs) we get this amazing sponsor and we're like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. We redesign like the intro. We're excited. Right. And then two days later, um, I get let go because this company went through just they met. They laid off like twenty five hundred people across the country. Right. Which is really an in-
0: industry standard. Everybody yeah. gets fired every 6 months or 6 years or something like that. It's like getting fired is of <laughs> I lasted part of it,
1: about 3 years, so. Which is great. It's really great. Yeah, so that Almost was Almost actually 4 years. And I yeah. had
0: I, I, and I had no idea the level of stress Maggie was under because every time I speak with you, you're calm, cool, collected. Oh my God, you you're have the, the new equipment. We have this great new equipment that Maggie put together. She engineers the show, she often books the show, she creates most of the content for the show she edits the show and always sound sound you always sound like calm cool and collected oh my god and then i'll see a facebook post which is like hi everybody i really just need to let you know (laughs) that it's been a tough week and i was like wow i you you wear it well oh well thank you
1: but we're in this incredible space so they have this um i don't even know how to describe maria how would you describe this
0: a hidden oasis. It
1: really is. We're off La Cienega Boulevard in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. which is so different than tucked away in Little Burbank, right? So it's just it's very homey. There are couches everywhere. There's like beautiful pine boxes full of weed or not weed, weed wine, weed wine weed sellers' wine. Not, that's not, not wine with weed in it. With it's cannabis. Not, no, but it's and we've got our very first guest on our very first sponsored show. Please welcome Ron Kublin.
0: <laughs> Did I say it right? No, Ron Kublin. No. Ron, Coolib- mm. Ron, Ron Coblin. Cool. Ron Cool. Koblin. No. Koblin.
2: There you go. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's Ron Cablin. Please, Coblin. Well, Ron Cablin. <laughs> Thank you, Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> I deserve it. I it's, deserve it's it. A com- it's a common mistake. The way that I remember it is I remember it's like Dublin, but with a K.
1: You, have to ha- you need help to remember your own name, which is hilarious. Some people
2: call me Cubby. Yes. Um, Dave calls me Cubby sometimes. You are
1: very familiar. Like, I know we just met now but you seem very familiar like i've met you before there i don't know there's just something very familiar about you do you hear that a lot
2: um yeah usually from people that i that i've met but also i think bald guy goatee Uh um I've, i've been in la for like uh i don't know
0: 15 years
2: like 15 years and i used to be part of a group of people that is anonymous, so I can't say mm. what the group is.
0: The anonymous group?
2: The anonymous group.
0: Right. Would there be 12 clues that would go into a question <laughs> about this anonymous? It
2: rhymes the... It rhymes with calcaholics. Ah. <laughs> Bubolic? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, so, so I bump into a lot of people that are like, I know you from somewhere, and that's often where, or, you know, Fine.
0: And for added context, uh, Ron was invited on the show uh, largely due to the fact that Ron and I have a, a professional uh, and, and friendly history combination. We met on a job.
1: Tell me a little bit.
0: Um, well, it was an international consulting gig. I mean, it's probably the best way to describe the, the, the job. And Isn't what... it
2: so weird to say that about us? Like, we met as international consultants
0: yeah we were really big deals and 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 would 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 what do you mean
1: were you still are well yeah
0: it's just that our 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 deal points are a lot lower than they were (laughs) Uh, but yeah um Ron and I were helping with educational programs internationally and I think I've spoken about this on the show from Mm -hmm. time to time and and Ron at the time was the company sort of most experienced most creative and we gelled no, stop. no we did gel because you <laughs> and what i loved i was coming out of show business i had just had a nice showbiz run and i'm thinking how am i going to transition into classroom and assembly work and i think it was ron and i's first classroom assembly where we were doing health and wellness presentations sure. for high school students were was it you or me that thought let's do a a, a, a skit? For I this. remember
2: that we did a skit, but I don't. I'm sure it seemed to happen kind of organically. It was
0: an organic thing that was so easy to do. Was all of a sudden I had a sketch comedy partner, oh, and wow. so we would travel to Asia, we would travel to Europe, we would go you know throughout the United States, mm-hmm. and before we would give what can be sometimes really staid, maybe in many cases boring health classes for kids, we were. Able to turn it into a show and oh, do yeah. interactive stuff and improvisations and role plays, and I felt like I, I it was so great because I felt like I, this is just another acting job. Mm-hmm. It, and, it really and, was. And and so for the a decade
2: we did that, and and now I know Ron is a television producer.
1: I was to say, what have you been up to since then? <clears throat>
2: Um, I did a lot of, well, well, Dave actually was the person who brought me out to L.A. You've been the conduit for a lot of people, I think, from the East Coast to here. Mm-hmm. And, uh... You didn't warn them? <laughs> <laughs> he was my first roommate. Oh,
1: okay, yeah. yeah. You were a lot of people's first roommate. <laughs> well,
0: well, they were actually my first roommate, and I think all of them share the same story that living with me is like a combination of living with uh, Felix Unger yes. and your grandmother.
2: There's, there's <laughs> a, that's, that's a whole show. Oh. A, you can dedicate a whole show. I insist that you invite several people that have been roommates with Dave. We'll all have a really same story, story same you? story, yeah. same story.
0: Yes, okay. same story. I get That's I get great. mad at them and drive them out.
1: That's hilarious. You <laughs> so, um, have like a hidden
2: temper I didn't know about. Oh, gee, oh god.
0: <laughs> oh god. True.
2: So, so I. So I. Uh, Have done like production work, but just as a as a PA and an extra. And I came out here to be a writer. And I never really I'm kind of lazy. I didn't really write much, Mm -hmm. you know, so, uh, but I thought I was lazy. But what I was actually doing was gathering information. So uh, I love
1: the way you put that, gathering.
2: I didn't think of it like that until, I just kind of changed my perspective because I don't feel like, oh, I wish I'd started doing this sooner. I'm uh, pitching a reality show at this point. Great. And uh, Dave was in my sizzle reel, which we just shot.
0: Which was amazing. Talk about that. Explain just in a nutshell how someone who comes out here with absolutely no experience gathers information and then puts on a production that of all of them that I've been involved in, and it's been a number. As professional, exciting, and cool, and and but there's some some other things going on. Okay, at the same yeah. Time. Well, yeah.
2: over the years that I've been here, even though I was thinking that I wasn't really working, I was gathering forces: uh, actors, uh, directors, writers, producers. I would musicians, artists. I would come across people, and I would think, if I ever do anything, I really want this person involved with it. Yeah. Um, and I came up with a pitch for a reality show. I have a friend who's a reality sh- show producer back east. And I'm always pitching him ideas and he's always shooting them down. And this one did really well. Um, And it's a poker reality show. (laughs) Um, And basically a bunch of poker players all live in a house and they're competing. There can be only one. Oh, of course. And it's all typical reality show fair that we're going to choose people that normally would not mix are going to be people that necessarily would not get along the
1: angry guy the shy guy the flamboyant one yeah the... those guys are yeah. all roommates that's, yeah that's
2: exactly, <laughs> that's exactly right and they're poker novices they don't know how to play poker oh gosh and, and the idea was that they would be trained by a pro and um that's cool there's the draw yeah that's and people it's not a poker show like it's not about poker you're not going to be watching people playing poker it's really about the personalities and the And the ups and the downs and the heartbreak and the glory and all of that. What's the win? Mm -hmm. Uh, The win is a seat at the World Series of Poker main event where you have a chance at $10 million. And for
0: those that aren't familiar with the World Series of Poker, it's a World Series championship competition. As you had said, Ron, uh, during pre-production and production, reminding us, Uh, On set, it's like this is likely the only actual viable way pretty much any person could compete at the maximum professional level and make and maybe the easiest way to make ten million dollars.
2: Yeah, Joe, Joe, (laughs) Joe Average, Mm -hmm. who I know personally, Mm -hmm. uh, Joe Average, uh, can't can't play in uh, a championship sports event. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyone that you know of reasonable intelligence, and I assume most people you know are of reasonable intelligence. <laughs> um, Dave and I could both get in Mensa, but we'd be the dumbest guys in Mensa. Yeah, we'd, we'd be in the hallway. Yeah, we would yeah. definitely be the, we'd just make the cut. Mm-hmm. Um, but someone with reasonable intelligence and get a little bit of training actually can compete with, ha, can spend the money, sit in the chair, and compete with world class pros. Now, I'm not saying they have a good chance at You're winning right. against them, but every year there are amateurs that cash in the World Series of Poker, meaning they make thousands and thousands of dollars doing better than people thought they would do. Yeah. And, no and
0: as a poker player myself, uh, average, I would say, you know, typical, um, to even say, I had a seat at the World Series of Poker, yeah. you know, is akin to, well, I was on the bench in the Super Bowl.
2: It costs $10,000 if you want to, to buy get a in. seat. Yeah, you can buy oh. a seat. Oh. Yeah. It kind of weeds out a lot of the riff That's cool. Though. That seems attainable,
1: though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that is, it's a lot of money, but it's like, oh, if I just Uber for 12 months, <laughs> I could make that kind of money to play... If I if I cared that much, you know what I mean. Like it's attainable. Like that is a goal. That's something that you can do. It's not like if I want to play at the Super Bowl, then I have to pl- then I have to practice and do all these things and try and right. run and like mm-hmm. be this impossible thing.
2: Which very few people have the ability to do. Mm-hmm. But again, all poker, all professional poker, really takes is patience, discipline, the ability to let your intellect override your emotion. And everything else can be taught. Well, I, I can't say. do any of that thing. So <laughs> <It's not easy. laughs> I can come up with 10 grand yeah, somehow.
0: Yeah, well, you ask a poker player like, hey, do you believe in yourself? I sure do. Uh, do you believe in yourself enough to invest 10 grand into yeah. a $10 million guaranteed World Series of Poker event?
2: Well, ask me, ask me who our star is. I was about to. Yeah. You
0: can reveal that?
2: I can reveal that. So uh, after I'd written a treatment, and it took about a year to develop the treatment and get it really perfect because I'd only work on it now and then I'm going to be honest. But in between uh-huh. the wheels are turning. That's of course. How, that's how art works. So then it was, <laughs> that's uh, right. Right. Yeah. And as I was writing it, you know, uh, people that write, uh, often will use, uh, an actor as a placeholder because mm-hmm. it makes it easier to see in your head. Yeah. So I had the greatest of all time, uh, as my placeholder and that was my first choice, and the first person I asked, and he said yes, and his name is Phil Hellmuth.
0: Oh. Greatest poker player wow. in the world.
2: 15 times world champion. He has 15 World Series of poker bracelets. No one has done that, and he continues, uh, he continues to play at the highest level. Wow. So he... Love the project. Vegas is terrified when he
1: comes through. Yeah. And and he showed up.
0: (laughs) And and I got to say this he showed up at Ron Cublin's family home. With a bunch of ragtag actors and not ragtag, but people on our off day getting together, cool. hanging out, and mom making craft services, the son running around doing PA work, yeah, and Phil was one of the gang. He, he really was. He showed up as if and it was as was as excited about it as Ron was. It I was love that. A thing of beauty, you know. And this guy, Phil Helmuth, has a reputation of kind of being uh, rougher on the edges.
2: Well, yeah, his uh, his nickname is the Poker Brat. Uh. And he, at the table, he's very focused. He's very good at what he does. But if he gets what we call in poker a bad beat, you know, somebody calls, he makes a raise and somebody calls with not good cards and ends up getting lucky. He, he can, he can get angry. Yeah. He shames them. He, he can get angry. So that's part of his persona. Uh, but he also is extremely generous and kind and gracious. I love and that. he was yeah. the easiest person to work with. He was, and he was a super pro.
1: Well let's talk about Ron a little bit and the music that has informed your life and gotten you to let's this. Do table. it. Ron, this is your song number one. It makes no difference
2: where I turn. Nice.
1: All right, who is this?
2: Wow, you had to start with that one. <laughs> uh that's the band. Yeah. And uh, the name of the song is It Makes No Difference.
1: And why did you pick this song?
2: It is, hands down, the most gut-wrenching, heartbreaking love song of all time. Oh, there's, wow. There's not a close second. And if you've ever been through a breakup, uh, which I know you have. Oh, gosh. Uh, I have. Uh, I'm an incurable romantic and always have been.
1: Perfect. Don't ever change.
2: Uh, I took some time off. I'm <laughs> taking a break. But... Uh, every time I would dive in, I would know, ultimately, there's a good chance this ends, and it is crushing, and I don't know, it's part of who I am. Um, First love. They're all like that. They're all as, as painful. And also, this song just deals with loss, unrequited love, uh, on such a deep, deep, deep level. I was driving my car, I'd never heard it before, and it came on what yeah. year was this? When was this? Oh, this was not that long ago. This was maybe five years ago, six okay. years ago when yeah. I heard it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you listen to his voice, it's just his voice is like cracking during the song. And um, the person who wrote the song is Robbie Robertson. Oh, the band. yeah. And uh, my uh, son's mom, mm-hmm. Allison, her best friend is Delphine Robertson, Robbie Robertson's daughter. I called her. I just heard this song, "Your dad's great. you know people always do stuff like that. But um, anytime uh, I'm going through dealing with grief or loss, this is kind of my go-to. And I, I just had that thing on, on a loop. I had a, went through a really difficult time uh, about a year and a half ago. every I guess I should talk about the elevate, the elephant in the room, not the elevator in the room. Um, my, I lost my brother. Mm. Um, 13, a little more than 13 years ago, the same year my son was born, my brother was mm-hmm. killed. And it was just a loss that just changed me. And it's very, I've gone through breakups and it's that same feeling. Mm-hmm. It really is that same feeling, except with a breakup. You know, that person is there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when I would go th- through that time of year in the fall, it would just, i just get crushed with this grief every year and I figured it would just pass you know that it would get better over time but it just didn't and it just floored me every autumn and I would just I knew it would pass once the season passed and uh, this last time not this last fall but the one before I had had a breakup that overlapped oh. and, and it just I just couldn't I was mired in grief, and I had that song on a loop over and over. I learned how to play it on guitar, and I would play it, and um, I went through uh, a rebirth.
0: What's the difference between a song that you hear like this that, that one attributes to a breakup song that you want to hear to help you through the process versus one that when it comes on, you immediately turn the radio off. Like, I don't want to hear this song. Why do you think this is one that you wanted to hear and, and stay close to during this particular double whammy of depression?
2: Cause I, I don't think that it, I think the songs that I don't want to hear are songs that were quote unquote our songs, you know, <laughs> songs mm-hmm. that remind me of the person mm-hmm. as opposed to, uh, attach themselves to the feeling. Uh, and, It's I know what you're saying. This Mm -hmm. is cathartic and there's other songs that are they just remind me Mm -hmm. of her and so I don't want to hear it. Uh, But I don't know. On some level, everything that reminds me of my my brother now is cathartic. Everything's changed Mm -hmm. in the last couple of years. Um, And it started the beginning of the grief process. I was listening to songs like this and playing songs like this and then I found myself not wanting to play those songs. I just didn't feel that I needed, that needed to be said. But I had to live with the grief for a while. Yeah. I had to consciously, I had to consciously face it.
1: How incredibly emotionally mature to say like, yep, we're just going to deal with this for a while and it's going to be okay.
2: Yeah. I used to look at it like something that happened, like a wave Mm -hmm. that just came and... I would hide from it, I guess. Yeah. And then it was like, oh no, this wave's coming. I could, I need to ride this wave and explore this wave and go deeper into it. And I didn't make any of this stuff up. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I learned it from other people, and I was just ready. And I had to, I had to wait until that time mm-hmm. when I was ready. So.
0: I hope more and more counselors and psychiatrists and, you know, whomever are are incorporating maybe this type of stuff with folks that are coming in for treatment, whatever it is, and just say, you know, let's talk about music and let's see if that can't somehow, you know, fill, fill a void or, you know, patch up a wound for a little while like this one did for you. I wonder if that's happening. Maybe it should be. Mm -hmm. You heard it here first on Y-Tune Shuffle.
1: Thank you for sharing that song.
0: Yeah, it's a really thank, great song. Thank,
1: thank
2: you for allowing me to. It's, great, guys. it's it's I'm shocked that I'd never heard it before and didn't. It's kind of a B side, you know. It's not sure. one of the pot. It's one, not one of the songs by the band that a lot of people know.
0: And it just came on the radio.
2: Yeah.
1: All right. Here's song number two.
0: I wanna tell you
2: about Texas radio and the big
1: beat.
0: <laughs> Comes out of the Virginia swamp. Cool and slow money and
1: precision. Oh yeah, David Earl Waterman is laughing through this one.
0: I, I'm so high, man. This is like, like such there's a, a Y-Times
1: connection I, here.
0: Well, I, where's it take you, Ronnie? Why? This
1: is um, The Doors, by the way.
2: The Doors. The uh Yeah, so um, years ago, I, I was a motorcyclist. I didn't have a car for probably a dozen years. Wow. And winter, spring, summer. Well, in California. All of those. Oh, no, I'm not from California. So I rode in the snow.
1: Wow, that is really badass. <laughs> Four seasons
2: in Boston, uh, and I did a few cross-country trips, and I did a few trips from, like, Boston down to Miami, and when I moved out here, I moved out on a motorcycle. What
1: was your, what was your favorite bike? Uh,
2: it was a uh, 1980 Yamaha Midnight Special. Cool. Uh, an 1100. It was really fast. It's kind of...
1: Isn't that big? 1,100 sounds big it's to It's a big me. bike. Yeah, okay. It's,
2: but it's, it's, it's actually the engine size. So the bike okay. itself looks a little, doesn't look that imposing, but it was a really, in the day, it was a pretty fast, it was a really fast bike. Sure. And it was a lot of fun. And I started riding motorcycles when I was like 17, 18 years old. Wow. Um, got kicked out of my parents' house. Well, I didn't get kicked out. I was like, if you want to ride a motorcycle, you can't live under our roof. See ya. Bye. Um. And I crashed a bike when I was like 17, going 90 miles an hour. Oh, my God. Walked away. Limped away, but I walked away. Mm. Um, anyway, I, was, I got out of the service. I was in the service of the Marine Corps for four years. Hoorah! Thanks, Dave. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and when I got out, uh, I did some, some of that traveling that I did, those motorcycle rides across the country I did, and I would have, a head, I'd have headphones on. Mm-hmm. It's probably not safe.
0: Oh, the whole thing, like when you think about it now, driving a motorcycle across the continental United States or any, you know, landmass is super dangerous and getting even more dangerous. Yeah,
2: I... and I, I specifically want to say, do not ride a motorcycle with headphones on, mm. okay? Yeah. You, know, you, can't, <laughs> you can't hear other people. It's very dangerous. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm full of regret that I did that. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not full of regret. I'm, anyway, I would... Don't try it at home. So mm-hmm. when, you're mo- when you're in a motorcycle particularly at night when there's no cars around. It's just you. Yeah. And you're riding through the Everglades, for example. Yeah. um, And you don't, I I would feel like I was the only living thing. I would feel like, and I would really imagine this. I knew, I I would imagine like I was on an alien planet. Sometimes I would even talk to the mothership (laughs) once in a while. I mean, we're talking about hours and hours and hours and hours by yourself. It's a yeah. very solitary existence. And I had, you know, a pretty extensive song list. And this was just one of the ones that takes me back, especially that line about comes out of the Virginia swamps. I was literally driving through <laughs> that part of the world wow. when that when that would play. And uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of the Doors sure. and big fan of blues and blues bass rock. But that's one of the. I mean, I could have come up with a hundred songs from sure. that experience. But that's where it takes me back. So those, I love that. Those times when I was just riding a motorcycle, it was me and the road, the next mile marker, the next hundred miles. It's
0: a memory jogger. It really is. Those are it great. Really yeah, to have a memory jogger, a heartbreaker. We've had a heartbreaker. We've had a memory jogger. Yeah. This
2: is a good list I'm going to so draft far. the
1: Y-Tunes nugget on this one because I just love this little factoid so much. The, band, the Doors were the first band to have an album advertised on a billboard ever. In fact, Electro Records paid $1,500 to promote their very first album on Sunset Strip.
0: That's amazing. The, the first Billboard The first ad. Billboard
1: ad for an album was know. on Sunset Strip for The Doors.
2: I can't believe nobody thought of that before. Though.
0: They opened the door to Billboard. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, what right? That's my job on this show. <laughs> okay,
2: now we're getting...
1: So punny. All right, here we go. This is your song number three.
2: Muscle and blood and skin and bones. A mind that's weak and a back that's strong. You load 16 tons. What do you get? Of the day, <laughs> Peter, don't you call oh me yeah! God, I sold my, my soul, soul to the company, company
0: store.
1: store. <laughs> oh my God, is that where that phrase comes from? The company's door? Well, the, the, the company man? Yeah,
0: because we could tell? You could tell. You
2: could. T- you, do you want to tell the story? No, the you. Com- okay. So. All right. This is a
1: 16 Tons by 16 Tons Tennessee by-
2: Tennessee Ernie Ernie, Ford Tennessee Ernie Ford. Yes. Um, so. Uh, Back in the day, and to a certain extent now, in some in some places, mm-hmm. uh, a company, a coal mine, for example, would open up, and there's no Walmart or anything. Right. You, know, you got to go back then, and they wanted their people to be able to buy goods and services, but they wanted to keep them nearby, mm-hmm. and I believe they would even pay them with money that was only good to use at the company store. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, it yeah. was early on capitalism, kind of a micro-economy outside of the actual dollar, and that's why credit card companies and, and other sort of uh, beneficiaries, they, they sort of like lull you into, you're going to need this milk on Wednesday, you don't get paid until Friday, and you're yep. going to need this bread on Thursday, mm-hmm. and then you get your check and you look at it and say, I owe my soul to the company
2: Store. Store, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so they that's would, still so true. D- they, would yeah. get, they would get, they oh. would they would, they would be extended credit, and mm-hmm. these are working poor, mm-hmm. and they would be extended credit because you knew mm-hmm. what they it would mean they had to come back to work because mm-hmm. they started the week in debt, another uh. day older, deeper. In well, debt. the
0: question is, which mine were you working in? Was it
2: a gold <laughs> mine, a coal mine? Yeah. Why
1: would you pick this song?
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, my dad. Uh, I don't. Maybe Dave can. I remember sitting in the back seat of the car very often. So yeah. And then as I get older, the front seat. And my dad would be driving and listening to the radio. And usually he was listening to talk radio. Oh, yeah. As a kid, that's so boring.
0: Driving an Impala? What kind of car?
2: Yeah. Well, um, we had, let's see, if I go back really far, Oldsmobile. we actually had a Plymouth. Oh, Like nice. an old Plymouth, like <laughs> a really old Plymouth. Boat. But Buick Electra was our, oh. okay. was our main go-to car I think we had three Buick Electras (laughs) (laughs) Um, and uh, my dad he did listen to a lot of music and that was my introduction to music was him and my brother my brothers were listening to uh, kind of I guess hippie music at that time you know late 60s because I was born in 1963 and my dad I liked the music that he listened to and it was stuff and it was kind of tough to pick one but there's a reason why I picked this one Uh, but he listened to like a lot of blood sweat and tears Mm -hmm. and uh uh, you know Jeremiah was a bullfrog by uh, three dog Mm -hmm. Yes, he liked that there were certain crossovers where my dad liked songs Loggins
0: and Messina probably
2: oh my god it sounds like (laughs) my childhood (laughs) it was a little bit before then but there were some older songs and my dad had a really deep voice I know when you hear me talk, it's like, where's the 15-year-old girl that got your voice? You know, I, I, get that, I get that a lot. A lot of pe- I, I tell people I look mean and sound gay, but I'm neither. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, my dad has this really deep voice. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a really deep voice and uh, when you messed up, like when you said something, mm-hmm. like, oh, I think I could do that, he'd go, wrong. And <laughs> <laughs> so we'd just ring. And uh, he was kind of like reserved in some ways. He was the nicest, nicest, sweetest guy in the world, but he wasn't like this uh, center of attention, uh, outgoing class clown like Dave or me. And uh, he would listen to this music, and I liked a lot of it. And I think the sound of his deep voice was very calming to me and soothing. And when my son was born, mm-hmm. uh, we, he never was in a stroller or a crib or anything like that. We would always wear him. You know those wraps? Oh yeah,
1: it's the the Bjorn Mo- or something. This or one's it?
2: called the, the one we used was called a Moby. Okay, they yeah, have yeah. the baby Bjorn, but we had a Moby, which is just like a big piece of lycra. Uh huh. And you wrap the kid up, and it was it was so wonderful for me. We did this thing called attachment parenting, where you're just just basically the way people have raised kids for millennia, mm-hmm. uh, called parenting. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know when you're when you're washing dishes in the sink. The kids standing there, splashing in the sink, helping. Uh huh. Yeah. And just doing everything with him, and connected to a parent, and always narrating everything we do, and sharing, and talking. And when he would um, be crying or upset, the easiest way to calm him would be to hold him. And I would wear him, and I would. There were a few songs that I would sing because they're oh. really low, mm-hmm. and I would sing that this. That vibration, yeah. This was one of the songs that I would sing to that him. That is
1: so sweet.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it's, uh, it's also, it connects me to my father, and it connects my son to me. Now, Steve Tyler, if you're out there listening, <laughs> I really, one of the things I think I'm pretty good at is like going, this person should sing this song, or this actor should play this role. Speed this up a little and imagine some people say a man is made out of mud. Poor man made out of muscle and blood. Muscle and blood and skin and bone. weak sweet. Bang that strong Little 16. Times. You can pick get Steven wow, Tyler's yeah. people on the line right now. That was awesome. I always wanted to have him do it cuz he's a blues guy and he sure. sings a lot of like bubblegum songs and stuff but deep down he's
0: a this is that's
2: a great idea yeah great song great somebody somebody contact s tyler
1: my uh my lullaby song so i have two nieces they're now seven and five but when the youngest one was just born um i just moved out she was very like maybe a year old so i just moved out to california and i was living with my sister and uh her husband and obviously the girls and so um It was such a joy to like put them to bed or calm you know what i mean like there's no stress for me i get to be auntie maggie it was so great and so my lullaby even now is still taylor swift i can't help it (laughs) but i'll just like slow it down um nice to meet you where you been i could show you incredible things magic madness heaven sin saw you there and i thought oh my god look at that face yeah.
2: And she's already yeah. asleep. I, I know. know. She's
1: like, it's like, but when you hear the song, it's like super upbeat and poppy. And like, I don't know. That's not, I just love Taylor Swift. That's a, a, like, that's
0: a great know. segment to look mm-hmm. at. Like, you know, who, who'd do it different or who'd do it better or who should do it segment.
2: Yeah, you know, that's fun. How to change it. I also think Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy is another one <gasps> that, that, that Aerosmith should do. Interesting. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Hope they're
0: listening. Hope they're listening.
1: I would love to hear that song remade and redone. Mm-hmm. It deserves another life. All right, here we go. This is your song number four.
2: Desperado. Why don't you come to your senses? You've been out riding fences so long now.
1: All right, so talk about that. Why
2: this song? Um, As I was thinking of the songs, uh, you know, one connected to, I was thinking family and like how the, 16-ton connect. I feel the connection to my father and my son with that. This is really about my brother Stephen, who I spoke a little bit about earlier, who uh, uh, was uh, killed like 14 years ago. And he's seven. He was seven years older than me, and lived on the streets. Uh, He was homeless from the time I was, I guess, just out of high school. And I remember when we were, when Dave and I were teaching. Uh, we talked a lot about our personal lives. as part of the, part of the work that we did was sharing from personal experience, and the kids would ask, do you have family? And they want to know who? And I'd be like, yeah, my brother, he's homeless. Oh, and then the, you go in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Why don't you help him? And um, Stephen didn't feel like he was in distress at mm-hmm. all. He was living the life that he wanted to live. Um... I'm sure if he had a pile of money he'd have some he would like to have some place with a roof that he could regularly go to but he traveled around and like lived with groups of people mm-hmm. in various places but it was mostly on the street sure. and panhandling and he was a brilliant artist he made this bracelet that I'm wearing oh my god that's beautiful it's like brass it's uh, copper copper and then' just- and I'm pretty sure it's made with one... It might be made with one wire. I don't know. But it's pretty pretty dope. You can take a picture of that. I am going to. Um, but he would write poetry and sell his poems. Uh, and he did. he struggled with mental illness. Mm-hmm. But he was in that space where he wasn't in such difficult shape that he needed to be institutionalized. But he also could not really function in our modern world like mm. working a regular job he would there would be things that would happen which we called pulling a steve you know the <laughs> way he saw the world it was comic sure sometimes we all can i tell a quick steve story Hey, please so uh my family there was uh, my father my mother my oldest brother stephen uh my brother joe uh and are were, you the youngest they, of I'm three? The, I'm the okay. youngest, so I was the baby. I was like the mm-hmm. class clown. I was my mother's favorite, and my <laughs> older brothers, Joe and Steve, they're two years apart, so mm-hmm. they did a you know they bonded a lot more. And I was usually, as a little kid, the one that uh, oh, what a pain in the ass we got to take Ronnie yep. with us. Uh, <laughs> one time we went fishing. Well, I don't you know little kids don't really fish. Mm-hmm. They they ask to go and then want to go home because yep. mm-hmm. it's boring. And uh, they didn't want to take me, (laughs) this isn't that story, this is a different story. And they, this was back in Somerset, Massachusetts, and they begged, I begged my mom to make them take me. So they said, no, and she said, yes, you're gonna take your little brother. And she dropped us all off at the fishing spot, uh, four or five miles from our home. And after 45 minutes, I wanted to go home. So my brother said, thumb. Wow. And I did. No way. I was seven. Wow. I hitchhiked. And I didn't really know how to do it. I remember walking down the street feeling like, which way do I point my thumb? I feel like my thumb should point in the direction I'm going. But that doesn't look right. But do I do it this way? But no, then I'd be walking backwards. That can't be right. You didn't
0: recall like a Warner Brothers cartoon where like,
2: (laughs) I did recall the Warner Brothers cartoon and I just thought I was supposed to be moving though. I I did have enough, I was pretty bright and I knew that I might not get a ride so I should be walking. Oh yeah. And uh, I know how far it is because I Googled it. I Google mapped it. How far was that? It was like it was close to five miles. My gosh! And uh, I mean, walkable, but not for a seven-year-old. And, and this is four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. This is like 1970. Did you get picked up? Yeah, I did. And uh, <laughs> before I did, I was walking. I was doing it wrong. And a girl. And you have to picture this is a high school girl that looked that is dressed like a flower child. You know, this is 1969, 1970. And uh, the street I was walking down was a busy street, Mm -hmm. uh, but it was in suburbia and it it was a residential area. So it was like a a main street in a residential area. And, you know, there are all these decent sized homes, you know, large two story homes. And this girl opens the window and yells out, stupid kid, you don't even know how to thumb. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, it is walking backwards then. And I literally thought if I thumbed wrong, I wouldn't get a ride. And if I thumbed correctly, if I hitchhiked correctly, Oh, my correctly, I gosh. And a, a man picked me up and took, took me home uh, and locked me in a cellar for years. No, no. He took-,
1: <laughs> 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 he took me to my home.
2: He took me to my home. and um, Ma, Your it, mom must have been livid. Oh, uh, we, all, we all got our ass beat. Oh, I mean, yeah. All of us. You know, my brothers, so me. Th- this person
0: was concerned, and he took you home, or he was just like, "Oh, I just dropped you off." And he
2: didn't think he didn't think it was a big deal. Well, you know, well, maybe yeah. he's from some farm country where that's because then it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. No, it was I a big sh- deal for a seven year old to be hitchhiking. That is a big deal. A, a nice Jewish boy. My, what's up
1: with that hippie? That was all mean. Yeah. You're not
2: doing it right. <laughs>
1: yeah. just shut up.
2: Yeah, where is she today? Do you think?
1: Right. <laughs> I'm pretty Trump, sure. Trump Probably administration in politics. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: So, so let me go to a quick Steve story, and this is a typical Steve story. So we all went out to this uh, restaurant, uh, Italian restaurant called The Cedar Crust in Lawrence, Massachusetts. And uh, they used to serve, they, my mom would call it soup to nuts. They would give you soup, salad. Bread. Bread, the meal, and the dessert. It was all included. Mm-hmm. And we had these family dinners. It was, it was really great. I had a great childhood. Yeah. Very fortunate and we're all out and there's a lot of laughter Mm -hmm. and a lot of humor a lot of you know ball busting that we do and in New England you know a lot of the humor is like really just messing with each other my mom or my dad when we would say something like oh were there dinosaurs around in your day they'd say can you read lips yeah yeah. (laughs) mouth, fuck you that's great Um, (laughs) and uh so we always had this you know happy these happy times at dinner you know we did that a lot so my brother steve really really loves coconut it's delicious but he hates parmesan cheese oh boy now shredded coconut and parmesan cheese if you look at them they could look similar sure yeah we're in an italian restaurant Mm-hmm. And there's a big crock of Parmesan cheese on the table. Aww. And Steve says, and at this time, he's got to be like 19, 18, 19. Oh, yeah. And he says, is that coconut? <laughs> and my mom goes, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so he eats a big mouthful of Oh, him. no. So that's, that would be an example. And there are many, many, many stories like that where his the way that his mind, he was brilliant. But Mm -hmm. the way his mind would work, things would be a little off. Mm -hmm. So he had difficulty working a regular job. As by the way, did I? But I could kind of. I felt like the difference between he and I, I had one foot planted in this reality. I can relate. I can definitely relate to that too. I felt like I'm not right for this world, but I know how to. I know how to act like I am. Yeah. You know, it's not the most. It's not my comfort zone. When I was working in an office, like <laughs> office space, mm-hmm. in a cubicle, this yeah. is this is the truth. I would have to go in on Sunday to get my work, to catch up on my work, because just simple paperwork was so hard for me. And while I was there, I would go to other people's cubicles to see what charts and graphs they had, so that I would be like, maybe I should put, to see what I should have on mine to help me with, not so I would look like them, but... That's, so I, you wouldn't
1: get behind so the boss would leave you alone so you wouldn't get in trouble. So,
2: Well, I, my boss got me and knew I was a ticket scalper for 30 years. And oh. she was like, uh, you made this much money for this long on straight commission? And I'm like, oh. I never thought of it like that, but yeah. <laughs> so she didn't hire me because I was an office guy. Yeah, um, yeah. But anyway, so I don't know how we got on that tangent, but that was uh, that was That like, was a great Steve story. Desperado. 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 The Eagles, yeah. So, um, He was so loving and so kind. And on my birthday every year, I would get a hand-drawn card with a poem, no matter where he was in the world. I love that. He would visit second cousins and third cousins. He knew every family member by name. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know these people. And he'd be traveling all over the country and Mm -hmm. just show up at somebody's house in Connecticut or just show up at somebody's house in Texas Mm -hmm. or, you know, relatives that I didn't even know we had. And um, he would do things like, oh, I left my backpack under an overpass. Oh, it's gone. You know, not sure which overpass it was, maybe. Um, And he had dreadlocks, but like not the cute kind. Like just, it looked kind of like matted hair. Mm -hmm. He looked like a homeless guy Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And uh, sometimes he'd show up at every family event. And he's just this big hearted person But my mother, my parents would be also embarrassed and worried for him Mm -hmm. because of the way that he lived. Yeah. And um, they would set up accounts at grocery stores so that he could just go in and get food when he was in a specific area. And I just thought of him a lot, the way that he was living. You know, when I would be going in when it was cold and I was going in my bed and putting the covers on. I'm like, where is he? Mm -hmm. And I know that he just couldn't snap his fingers and change it. Um, It's not like some choice that Mm -hmm. he made. But I just, that song just reminded me of him. And um, when I got, you know, when I got the call that he had died, it wasn't a surprise. How he died was a surprise. He was murdered. Oh my gosh. Um, But you kind of expect that call, like, it's terrible to say. And the kids would say, well, why don't you help him? And it's like, he doesn't want help. Yeah, You know, the help that he wants, he gets. And he lived life and he loved life. And he brought a lot of joy to a lot of people. Um, but there was this, you know, just sadness associated with you want to help somebody and you can't. Mm-hmm. And when you think of, when I think, of, when I have contact with homeless people today, um, I'm usually I catch myself being apathetic, you Mm -hmm. know, because it's just such an overwhelming problem. Yeah. And what can I do? Yeah. And then I think this is this is my brother. You know, this is the life my brother led. And that song just it always it always reminded me of Steve. So no matter where I was in the world, I always I'd hear that song and it would just connect me to him. Look, I'm connecting to all my different family members. That's I a Y-Tunes that. Shuffle yeah, that's connection. Beautiful. That's what this is all about. Yeah. This
0: is it. This is the show.
1: All right. Well, Ron, I hate to do this, but this is your last song. Song number five. Here
2: you go, you say want your well, it's
1: definitely a favorite on Y-Tunes Shuffle.
2: Mm-hmm. Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, thank you, thank you for that. There's a couple things about this song. Yes. So, uh, when rumors came out, it was just it, it was a, it was just a great all around album in, uh, in general. Yeah. One of the best one of the best albums, and I was I was in that wonder years age. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in high school, and it was that coming of age. And I remember being at my best friend's house. My best friend was Brent Ballard. And uh, he lived. We lived in this cul-de-sac neighborhood in Andover, Massachusetts. Mm. Um, very sheltered life. Every house Andover. was on an acre. Mm. Um, and you know, we played kickball in the street, and all the kids were around the same age because we all moved in when the place was built. It was really, really a great place to grow up. And uh, Brent and I uh, did everything together. We were huge fans of. Um, Monty Python's Flying Circus. Of course, yes. And we played practical jokes on each other all the time. (laughs) Like, one day I'm in my kitchen after school just trying to make fake blood. Mm -hmm. Just (laughs) cuz. Is that a thing you would have done? (laughs) Of course. Yeah, I'm like. Potions. "Hmm, Yeah, I wonder if. (laughs) This is a little uh, corn syrup. It's a little shiny. I wonder if I add a little milk if it'll dull it a little bit. You know, literally just on my mom's. And now that I made it, I'm like, wow, this looks really good. Oh, I have this great idea. So I call Brent, and I'm like, you have to come over right away. Mm -hmm. And I hang up. And I sit in a chair. I take a steak knife. You know there's cheap steak knives? Mm -hmm. And I bend the blade at a right angle. Oh, my gosh. Tape it to my chest. Of course. And have it come out a hole in the shirt so it looks like a knife is buried right in the center of my chest. Oh, my gosh. I accidentally stabbed myself. I pour... (laughs) I pour the blood all over the shirt. Oh, my God. I'm sitting in the chair. I know which door he's coming in. He's coming up the back stairs to the back porch, sliding glass door, and I'm sitting in the kitchen table like. Head back, yeah. And I have a mouthful of it waiting till he enters to let it just run down, down my chin. And it was like, so we did stuff like this to each other all the time. He called me like the next day you have to come over right away. (laughs) (laughs) And I go to his house and the door is ajar and it's just eerily quiet. Mm -hmm. And I go to the basement and that door's ajar and the light switch doesn't work. Of course not. Yeah. I walk down the stairs and I, he's, I feel something on the stairs at the bottom and I walk around and there's something sticky on the floor and I screw the light bulb in. he had just taken a can of like red paint, poured it on the basement floor lied down on the stairs like he fell down with his head (sighs) in this puddle of we just had so much fun I never got that from this song no 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 (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay so Brent so oh, that's Brent a, That's so, a good sign of a good childhood, yeah. <laughs> so Brent and I Brent and I meet these girls. I'm trying to think, I think we met them at the bowling alley. Uh, we uh, so Ann Perkins mm-hmm. um, her sister Julie is an actress and lives here in Los Angeles. Hi Julie. Uh Ann Perkins, we were at this bowling alley and you know, you're kids and you're out bowling and you meet some other people mm-hmm. and and we both were infatuated with this girl, mm-hmm. you know. And we were, like, 15. It's that age oh, where... Oh, dear it's me. It's that age where it's... Uh, actually, at 14, I remember. Even worse. So uh, it's that age where your parents have to, like, you know, cart you around. And fo- your your mother has to follow your home hormones wherever they're, like, leading <laughs> you to, basically. <laughs> um, and I said, dude, I got her number. Like, I, it was this competition. It oh, was, yeah. Yeah. So did I. <gasps> and I was like... Uh, and she chose him she made a date i thought we were like oh no i got the jump on him and because he got sick and he was home with a cold and she came over her mom dropped her off and i'm like let's go visit brent oops like i'm gonna rub it in i was being a dick
1: wow it was
2: literally just to be a dick and as he's sick in bed and she's like oh so bad for you i'm I'm getting a little mixed up how things went i think she met me at his house that was it Mm -hmm. hey why don't you meet me at brent's house that was it and she gets dropped off with a friend oh and she goes up to brent's room and is like making out with brent and leaves me with her friend who i just met and do not know and she's like a year younger which is a huge deal
1: oh in high school yeah
2: yeah and her name—I—I I, I don't want to put her on blast, but her name's Susie. Mm-hmm. It really, her name—that's her real name—and mm-hmm. mm-hmm. she put this album on. <gasps> this was so awkward. The friend. The friend does. You're right. in the. You're in Brent's house. I'm in Brent's house downstairs. He's upstairs. <laughs> he, no, he's upstairs making out with the, the girl that with you're... my date. Yeah. And I'm with Susie, who, who by the way, <laughs> she's really, really cute, and she smells like baby shampoo. Uh. Yeah. And um. God, I was such a jerk. I was so... Like, I I thought it was funny to, like... It would be snowing and there'd be the snow banks and I would push her in the snow and thought that was hilarious. I I have apologized uh-huh. And, uh-huh. and changed. I'm uh-huh. not that person anymore. Sure. Don't... Please do not cancel me cancel culture. No, 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 no. Anyway, uh, so, <laughs> so... So she... So she She, I'm looking from her point of view now, I'm this older guy. Yeah. So she was very impressed with me. I was still kind of like licking my wounds because I really liked Anne. And Susie puts this album on. Sure. And starts dancing and I wasn't, at this point in my life, I wasn't really, like, music wasn't flowing through me, mm-hmm. and dancing was I bet very... now like, it started uncum, flowing through you. Yeah. No, no, oh, no, 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 At the
1: time... He's I a would, romantic, remember? Like, you don't, it's not just... Warning, no, no
2: I mean, she was miles ahead of me. Mm-hmm. She was miles ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just kind of like, this is weird. Girls and, usually are. And she's like, <laughs> t- you know, she's too young, and I'm... No, she didn't, she wasn't able to flipped the switch at that point. Okay. We ended up double dating, as mm-hmm. you know. We ended up all going out together in groups, and Susie was my girlfriend for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. And um, and Anne is now happily married. Yeah, to uh, Mark Contini from uh, uh, my high school, also. So well, Anne- and over high school. Um, yeah, one time. Uh, Ann called me, and she had, like, a bunch of sisters. They're all girls, the Perkins girls.
0: And her sisters are all girls?
2: Yeah, all her sisters. Are <laughs> in, like, every one of them.
0: And she called. <laughs> David is so proud when, of that. When you, were, when you were
2: teenagers, did you guys talk on the phone for hours? Yeah, Fall asleep
0: on the phone.
1: We used so, to sing the, the, in the jungle, and we would do that in, like, a round on the phone, all the, yeah.
2: Oh, wow, that's much better. I, we were just like, so what are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> so what are you doing right now? So Anne and I were friends. We, you know, we were friends. And this was, I think her and Brent had broken up. But she and I were still just like good friends. And she had the cool mom. Also mm-hmm. like the really cool mom. Not like the buy beer for everybody cool mom. But the legit make sandwiches, make cookies. Everybody mm-hmm. loves Mrs. Perkins. Mm-hmm. And after school, uh, would sometimes go there and hang out. So she... So Ann and I are on the phone, and she, I go, so what are you doing tonight? She goes, oh, my parents are on vacation. This was another thing our parents would do. Uh, oh, yeah,
0: they go away for weeks. Yeah, I love that those that right. period. She was
2: like, my parents are in Hawaii, so my sister, uh, Julie, is having a big party, mm-hmm. and she's Julie's a cheerleader, and all the cheerleaders are going to be over. She goes, you should come. You could stay over. And I'm like, yeah, right. And I go like this, hey, Mom, uh, can I sleep over? Ann's house tonight? And my mom's like... <laughs> Are her parents home? And I go, hang on one second. "Uh, No, they're in Hawaii. There's going to be this huge party with beer and pot and it's just going to be me and a bunch of girls. (laughs) What time do you want (laughs) to leave? She totally thought I was being sarcastic. Drop me off. And I got to like hang at the, it was, yeah. oh man, I just played guitar the whole night. For wow. Like the, it was great. Probes. it was, it was a, I, a rock star for a I night. Was, I was a rock Little star. Little Hugh Hefner. <laughs> that's what I peaked. I was like 50, 14, I, 15. I don't think <laughs> that's so. When I, that's when I hit my stride.
1: Well, thank you so much for sharing your song. We're not done with you yet. Before you go, we're going to take a brain break. I'm going to let David take over, and we're going to play a game called Band Name or Bar Name, and there's a prize involved. Did you
2: say Band Name or Bar Name? That's what
1: I said. That's okay, I right, just Ron. To make sure I hear the lyrics, that's
0: right. right. This is the very first <laughs> of our episodes of the exclusive original game show. Is it a band name, or is it the name of the bar the band is playing in? Or it could also be called. Is that the band or the bar? Basically, what you're going to have to do is listen to the name of a bar somewhere here in West Hollywood, because it's our first day recording in our new area Oh, I love Hollywood. that. Um, and I'm, I'm going to tell you the name of a bar, and I'm going to tell you the name of a band. Your job, along with Maggie, is to figure out which one is the name of the bar and which one is the name of the band. It's called okay, Bar Name this. This or great. Band Name, okay? This is hilarious. <clears throat> now, I, I I spent all week researching... Bands and bars in West Hollywood about five minutes ago. So, uh, <laughs> the, uh, I could say, for example, to you, this is how the game works. I would say, hey, Ron, uh, hey, Maggie, uh, you want to go to Mama's and hear Elevation? Because Aww, they're man. rocking tonight. They're playing at Mama's. We'll go see Elevation. Or I could say, do you want to go to Elevation? Mamas are playing there. It's going to be really great. Ooh. So is the name of the band Mama or Elevation? Is the name of the bar Mama or Elevation? That's good. Wait, wait, wait. Is it Mama or Mamas? It's uh, Mama. Mama. Yeah. Mama.
2: That okay. changes it a little bit. That does change it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That changes it. Mm-hmm. I know what I think. Go ahead. I think, I think Mama is the band. Mama is the band. And Elevation by process of elimination i'm going to go with elevation as the bar then
1: i think so too i think elevation is an oxygen bar All right, i
2: should i should for clarity because i had to clarify
0: mama not mamas that was important to you folks so i'm going to go ahead and, and tell you how elevation is is spelled it's la like the abbreviation for los angeles la elevation elevation
1: oh man what now on? i'm sticking with it what do
2: you mean la Is like los crazy? angeles like you, la you say l no i don't i don't follow la oh i've never seen that <laughs> LA. <laughs> oh ronnie
1: there's no wrong answers
0: <laughs> okay so we will have to eat at mama Mama is the restaurant. It's a rooftop bar. Oh! Yeah, was, yeah. Wait, wait. Uh, lunch and dinner served. It's great in the West Hollywood area. And if you were listening to Elevation, you would be listening to Los Angeles' own, from West Hollywood, the world's greatest tribute to you 2
2: l a wow.
0: yeah. So I LAvation is the new I can't believe you got one.
2: us on the first one. I would have bet money on that. Oh, yeah, yeah, how
0: about it? So that's our very first band name or bar name. Okay, from I have West to ask
2: Hollywood. you. Did you... Think of that, mamas. Did you do that to throw us by having it called mamas and then changing it? to No, because
0: I was. It's it's mama. It's mama in Los Angeles, and somehow I made it a plural instead of just mama. Mama, you got rooftop. you
2: got me. You well, got me. So we get nothing. Well,
0: everybody wins. Everybody uh, and, wins. And what you have to do now, Ron, is take us anywhere in the world to any city, town, municipality, incorporated city, and I will research it and find a band name and a bar name for next week's guest. Oh,
2: anywhere. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to have to go with, um, in Switzerland, (laughs) there's an old part of town called the, uh, in, um, in Basel? No, in Zürich. In Zürich. It's called the uh, Niederdorf.
0: So I'm going to Zurich.
2: You have to go to Zurich. Zurich. Zurich, 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 yeah.
0: Zurich Switzerland, band name or bar name?
2: Uh, actually, be specific. In the Niederdorf, Niederdorf is in the, the area. Nieder- there's a ton of bars Niederdorf. There. Niederdorf. Niederdorf. Oh,
0: well, he have okay. to
1: find a band, too.
0: A band in Niederdorf and Zurich. Niederdorf. Sometimes we have to go a few kilometers out of town to find yeah. a band.
2: Zurich. We will. Zurich.
1: All right. Before we wrap up, thinking very hard. We'd love to hear the memory of your very first concert experience.
2: I'm so glad you asked. It was one of my songs that didn't make the cut. Okay, tell us. Okay, so Brent Ballard Mm -hmm. who was a huge music fan and would try to force feed me.
1: Your best friend. Yeah, Brent. Yeah,
2: He would listen to this, put these headphones on, Mm -hmm. listen to this, experience what I'm experiencing. And it just didn't click. Music didn't click. He listened to Rush. He listened to Yes. Wow. He loved the artwork. And his father was also a music file? What's the word? Audiophile. He was an audiophile. I love had a, that. The Bang & Olufsen turntable and he would literally conduct in the living room. Cool, yeah. And he had this amazing sound system and Brent hmm. acquired that ear and I just wasn't at that age where I didn't even wanted to go to a concert. Mm-hmm. All my friends wanted to and I wanted to want to but I didn't really care. But it was an amazing experience so I went to see Yes. Ooh. Nice. In the round. In at Boston Garden.
1: Wow! Oh,
2: man, so they had this revolving stage. Wow! And Brent's father, very conservative corporate lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's me, Brent, and his father, and I think there was one other kid with us, and we went in the Oldsmobile ninety eight, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Oldsmobile bubble. <laughs> and like I said, his father was very, you know, starched shirt kind of a guy. So I'd never been to a concert. I didn't know what to expect, and what happened before the music starts was blowing my mind. I'd never been in a room with that many people. There's beach balls getting bounced around nice. and frisbees getting yeah. thrown, mm-hmm. and I was taking it all in. And people were smoking weed. What? Mm. No, mm. no, at a concert. I know there's there's a wine called weed, so it's confusing to people, <laughs> but it also <laughs> is uh, um, a reference to marijuana. Yeah. <laughs> joint got passed down the row and it was heading towards brent's father and i was like what's he gonna we were all looking like what's he gonna do this is this is you know <laughs> red foreman except oh yeah you know, that's that time, that time in, in in history and he just takes the joint and he reached around us and passed it to the person on the other side of us and i remember i told the story when i worked for fcd all the time and i looked at brent and i said your dad touched pot. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man,
0: that's funny. Do you remember
2: the last show you went to? He's a ticket scalper. Uh, you know, I went. I I did go to a lot of shows. Um, does it have to be the most recent? Because mm-hmm. it'll it'll. Um...
1: Was it embarrassing?
2: No, I just I might not be able to remember because last been, show I it's, went to was Cheryl Crow. It's been a oh I do know the last show I went to. Um, <laughs> you tell. <too. laughs> I went with Allison. It was my first time going to. Um, uh, am I really not going to know where I was? Hollywood Bowl. Hollywood Bowl. Okay. Yeah, I think it was Hollywood Bowl. Blondie. No, no, it's Greek. It Greek. The Greek. It was the Greek, and it was yeah. Was it Blondie with um, Rod Stewart? No, no, no. It was. Uh, oh, that's. It was a Cyndi gr- Lauper. It was a great show. Um, no, it was Blondie and Elvis Costello. Oh, oh yes. It was a really, really great show. You know, huh. they both. They, it was, and, and I'd never seen either one of them. Oh no, I did see Elvis Costello. And Allison is the mother of your child. Allison is the mother of my child. Aww. Who? It's so weird. It's so weird. I live with them. And her mother, we all live in, like, one big house. Happily divorced. Very happily divorced. Like, people, I can't have a girlfriend. I tried. That's that's how my,
0: my wife and I are married. We
2: weren't even living together, but they couldn't get their mind around, you are still married to her. I'm like... No. Sorry, I can't help that we get. Sorry, we don't like fuck you each other like all other. Divor- but, well, divorce that's people, that's what yeah. my my wife's married twice.
0: I'm mm-hmm. married once before, and and our marriage now is like we're we're like that divorced couple that gets along really well. Like, there's just no static. There's no reason to argue. Plus, we're older, so it's. I think marriage. And cohabitation is so much better saved for later. Yeah.
2: We we are a clan. Wonderful. Wonderful. It's a beautiful situation.
1: Ron, thank you so much for your time and your energy. Where can we find you if we want to keep up on this poker show and anything else that you're working on?
2: I have my own Facebook account, my own Twitter account, but I don't, I really don't post a lot. Okay. Um, We'll we'll put links up in the bio That's something I'm going to have to do at some point. For the show, yeah. Yeah, but this project will be, uh, I'm in editing now, so it's going to be a little while. It's going to be, I'll be pitching it March, mid-March. I should be pitching it, and then we'll see where things go. I want to thank you guys. Oh, God. This was wonderful. Isn't it fun? I'm so glad. It's a lot of of fun. It's a lot of fun, and... Thanks for helping me go back to all those times and revisit those wonderful songs.
0: That's what that's what our show's all about.
1: Ron Coblin, you've been amazing. David Earl Waterman, our Resident Hollywood secret weapon. Thank you to Weed Sellers for having us in this incredible oh, this space. Beautiful.
2: Unbelievable. Yeah.
1: I'll make sure that we do some sort of video tour on Instagram here shortly. But um I've been Maggie Mayfield. And if you haven't already, please like, subscribe, and share. We're on all the socials at tunes Shuffle. Thank you so much for listening.
0: This episode of tunes Shuffle has been brought to you by Weed Sellers Wine. Celebrate the individual, celebrate the music.